Praise God. Well, we've been in a series for a few weeks uh, called Don't Judge. Amen. Amen. And we're excited about it. Amen. Amen. All parts of the word are good. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, Luke 6, verse 37. Let's read that. Luke 6, verse 37. Praise God. It says, uh, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, verse 38, we, we've uh, quoted that in relation to giving and receiving finances a lot. And uh, that's right, and that's good. Um, but notice it says there in verse 38, it says, Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And in that area, we, and it's right, we say, well, if we give, it's going to come back to us, and not only just come back to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be given back to us. For at the same measure that we use, it will be measured back to you. And we thank God for that, and we worship Him, but in this same passage, right before it, 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 it notes several other things. This is all the Word of God. This is all Jesus speaking in other areas that uh, have the same ramifications that go with them, but we don't often jump up and down about those things. Verse 37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. These are all cause and effect. You do one thing, something else is going to happen. The first part of it is, says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Amen? And we've been getting into this uh, these last few weeks. Uh, let's just go and read verse 39, the next verse. It says, He spoke a parable to them, Jesus. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. In the NLT, we read this last time, same verses, uh, Luke 6, 39 through 42 in the NLT, it says, Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of the speck that is in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, like we said, these things are pretty hard-hitting. Is, Jesus is not mincing words here. He's not beating around the bush. He is going straight in our face, basically. You know, this applies to us. 
But how many of you know we read, can you put up John 8.31? Just a little bit further back. John 8.31, it says, this is, a, not, this is a side thing, but it says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Next verse. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. Free. Now notice the, the verse before said, you will abide in my word. So his word, the Bible says his word is truth. All of his word is truth. If we abide in his word, you are my disciples. Then the next verse 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And like we've touched on, the truth is going to make us free. That doesn't mean it's always comfortable. That doesn't mean it always makes us want to jump up and down. Thank God for things. Sometimes we get excited and, and about certain truths, and thank God for that. That's right. It's true. And I mean, there's, whenever you see somebody running around, like, you know, down at Ramah, there'd be people, certain services when it was going that way, you know, people would say, oh, we got a runner. If you've ever seen Ramah, I mean, it's, it seats 4,500 people, and the stage is in the, well, for you, the stage is here, and it's like a half circle goes around here, and they have a lot of space between the stage and the first seat, so there's a lot of room there. And then there's aisles, you know, behind some of the, the other um, seats, so people would just, I'm not saying every Sunday, okay, or every service. Sometimes when the service was going that way, sometimes people would just take off and run. You ever see somebody do that? Don't judge them. You don't know what they've been set free from and what they're about to get set free from. There is a place to get excited. There is a place to worship God. It, it can break things in your life. Responding, I mean, if the Spirit of God's prompting you, and you're not caring about what people think, you're so excited. I mean, look what people do at sports events. Are you kidding me? They're crazy. People paint themselves when it's like zero outside, and they, they don't have a shirt on, and they're doing nuts you know, things, and do all crazy type of thing, and people go, oh, you know, they're just a fanatic for a sports team. Well, people, uh, yeah, people can have flesh in every area. I mean, people are people, but there is something about reacting to God and getting free, reacting to Him, and, move, and, and uh, yielding to the Spirit of God. It can break things in your life. But the truth can make us, it will, the Bible says the truth shall make us free, and this is in any area. And as we've gotten into this, I just, I, I know as we're looking at these things, we're coming up, and some of these things that have bound us, maybe we didn't put our finger on it, that some of this stuff we're teaching on was the issue, but it will set things free in our life. Maybe we thought it was this problem over here, but as we get into it, the more you see this, you realize this judging is a tool of the enemy to ensnare us and to trip us up and to defeat us. And when you start seeing it like that and understand that the truth of God's word will make us free in areas, you get excited about it. I know this on the surface, and I've said this a number of times, but as we're getting into it, I know it's on the surface you can think, oh, Judging, we have to talk about that. Can't we just talk about something else? Well, this is what I have. This is what I believe God has led us to do. So if I try to talk about something else, it's not going to work because then it's just me. But God will help us and he'll bring our uh, light to our eyes as we see the truth. And that will free us up. And I believe that we're going to be walking at a higher level 
as we get through some of these things. Let's read a few uh, more scriptures, just uh, kind of connecting to where we've been, and then we'll go further. Let's look at Matthew 7, verse 1. Praise God. God is a good God, and His ways are right, and they're true. Matthew 7, verse 1, <clears throat> says, Judge not that you uh, be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. See, if we would realize this right here, if we would realize that how we are judging others is how we're going to be judged, that changes the ballgame. If we understand that and become conscious of it, would you, you think of, if we're in a situation where we think, would I want to be judged the way I'm looking at somebody else, uh, that can change the way we approach certain things. Verse, uh, approach everything, really. Verse 3 says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus is clearly saying, when you're tempted to start picking at somebody else, where should you look first? We should look first at ourselves, and that doesn't mean, well, now I got all this stuff, I think I'm, I'm good, now I can, you know, unleash you on the other person. <laughs> so, did you check yourself? Yeah, I checked, I'm good to go. Let's, no, that's not the way we're supposed to look at it. No, uh, we're supposed to walk and have mercy to others the way we've been shown mercy, have the attitude toward others the way we've been dealt with uh, by the Lord, by, through the blood of Jesus. Let's look at Romans 2, verse 1 quick. We're just kind of laying some of the, going over some of the scriptures we've gone over so that we can move into some more for today. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, for whatever you judge, for what... Uh, Whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. Here he's saying, those, if, if, you, whoever you are who judge, whatever you judge another person in, you're actually judging yourself because you do the same things. Isn't it? It's so tempting to see what everybody else is doing wrong, but... but if we'll keep the attitude and realize, wait a minute, I'm not doing everything right. If we would just keep that one thing in mind, I'm not doing everything right, when I'm saying we're looking at other people, I'm not, you're not, that's not an excuse, but we have to keep that in mind. When we deal with other people, we'll, be, we'll have a different attitude. See, when we start judging other people, it's really taking attitude, somehow I'm in a position to judge. Somehow I have arrived, or I in a, I'm in an area where I feel strong so I can judge someone else. That's never right. There's only one that's able to judge, and that is God. He's the only one that's truly qualified. Let's go over to Revelation 12, verse 7. Now, this is what we touched on last week. Revelation 12, verse 7. <clears throat> Revelation 12, verse 7, 
It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, and they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven, or saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and, his, and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. For the accuser, it says, uh, verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night, has been cast down. This is Satan. He is the accuser. He is the author. The Bible calls him a deceiver here. He, is, uh, he deceives the whole world. The Bible, Jesus called him the father of lies. But he is the accuser. Thoughts of accusation originate from him. He is always going about accusing. He'll accuse your spouse to you. He'll accuse your brothers and sisters, your siblings, your parents, your boss, your co-workers, your clients, your pastor, your, your fellow uh, church members. He'll, he'll accuse God to you. He'll accuse your government. He'll accuse your, your school, uh, your teachers and uh, other students that, that are your, friend, your kids' friends, everybody and anybody. Thoughts of accusation, thoughts of, well, they're just, they're doing that because of this. Well, they, they don't really care. Well, they don't, you know, they're not doing enough. Any of those thoughts, they're accusations, and they can be judgment. Whenever anything, you're pointing something out. Yeah, you should do this. Yeah, you should do that. We have, to, we have to ask ourselves, where is that coming from? And why am I spending time thinking about this? Well, because they, they did this and that, and just, okay. But we have to think about, what am I going to do right now by dwelling on that, thinking about it, saying it out my mouth, telling other people about it? What am I doing? And who am I listening to? You understand, we need to be... We need to be aware and conscious of the fact that we have an enemy. And this is a way he operates consistently. All the time. Can you go back to the last verse? It says, for the accuser of our brethren, go to verse 11. Oh, did I? Okay, back, sorry. Yeah, the next part of verse 10. Who accused them before our God day and night. All the time. He is accusing. Do you understand when you have a thought, I have a thought, that's negative towards somebody else, that doesn't mean it's true. Some people think they have a gift of what they call discernment. Really it is, it's just being critical. <laughs> they think they can see stuff that other people can't see. You know what that is? Most of the time, it's just pride. It doesn't take anybody. It doesn't take anybody of any real skill or ability to point out the faults of other people. And somebody that really can see, if they really are being revealed something by the Spirit of God, the right response is to pray for them, 
to have mercy on them, and to know that you're capable of exactly the same thing. It's so tempting when, you know, let's say you, you, somebody has a public mistake. Somebody doesn't do something right, and then, you know, and especially they're, they're in Christian circles or whatever, and they fall. They do something. It's tempting, and you will have thoughts negative toward that person. Well, I can't believe they did that. How would they ever do that? Those thoughts are not godly. It doesn't take anybody of any spirituality to, to voice those thoughts or to entertain them. It's really easy, and we have supernatural help to do it. Satan will help you. Bring, bring, he'll bring those thoughts to you. We have to understand this. When we're yielding to it, we aren't, we're wasting our time, and not only wasting our time, we are yielding to the enemy. We are yielding to an attack that's coming through us. We're, we're spending our time thinking about what, how somebody else messed up or how they should have done better. What's that acting like? We would do better. That's dangerous. That's acting like we have the place to be the judge of the earth. That's acting like we have the place to, uh, to, to straighten everybody else out. That's... The devil brings thoughts, and don't, when you have a, a thought about what somebody may or may not have done, and you have no evidence, you need to be very suspicious of that thought. Do you understand Satan will accuse anybody and everybody to you? Your spouse, well, they're doing this because of that. They never do this. They never do this in the area. You know, they never help in this area. Or they're always doing this wrong. Or they're spending money here. Or they, why don't they clean this up? Or why do they deal that way with the kids? That's pointing at them. And it's coming from the enemy. What's the, what's the objective? Divide. It doesn't mean it's true. Just because you have a thought and you think it's like, well, I wonder if that person's doing, maybe it's not your, you know, your spouse or somebody in your family, but somebody at church, well, they gave me a look. I wonder if they don't like me or maybe they just, yeah, they probably don't think uh, they, they, were, they were looking at me because of such and such. Or at work, well, I don't know. That person you know, gave me that look or they, they didn't email me back right away or you know, I bet you that they just don't, they don't esteem me or whatever. Any number of these thoughts, we have to be on guard and realize these are coming from somewhere. And just because you had the thought doesn't mean it's true. It could be something that's getting you on a rabbit trail just off to get you off what you're doing because now you're thinking something else is going on, running around on this trail of nothing. You had a thought, and we have to understand what's from God and what's the enemy. And some people, honestly, you, you can look, they have... There's people that think they're called to be critical of people. And they think it's God. And Brother Hagin said once, you didn't uh, make your light any brighter by putting somebody else's out. <laughs> Nobody ever did that. You're, you put somebody else's light out, your light didn't get any brighter. Somebody asked him once, somebody had fallen, somebody national, back, I don't know, 80s. 90s, and he usually, his, um, 
his usual comment was no comment when they'd ask him about stuff. The press would come and say, well, what do you think about such? What do you think about that? And he would say, no comment. He did not want, you'd have to be careful. Well, what do you think about it? Then, you know, come on, you have an opinion. Be careful. That's trying to draw you, by you saying something, you're judging the other person. You've got to be very careful. And Brother Hagin, he would not comment. And there was this meeting, and um, the, the press was there, and they came out after, what do you think about this? Somebody national had, had made some mistake, and they were trying to, you know, get, get his comment. I said, what do you think about that? And he said, no comment, because that's what he usually, think, usually would say. And then he, come, he came back and said, wait, I do have a comment. And he said, nobody ever made their light brighter by snuffing out somebody else's. That's what he said. We're on one team as Christians. Do we understand that the world does not look at it like this? Because we're constantly taking out our own. Somebody's down and we're kicking them. Am I making that up? Is that not true? People are looking at going, you're supposed to be unified. And somebody messes up and the Christians are the, the sometimes, I'm not saying all, but there is this, this uh, because it's happened a lot, where this, uh, this perception that Christians are the last ones to forgive, last ones to bring them back, last ones to help them out. Judgmental, critical. Well, that's a tactic because if the devil can get us split apart, pointing our fingers at everybody, we're not effective. Are we? Any organization, think about it. From the family unit, the, the, the uh, marriage relationship. If, if that devil can get in there, he doesn't have to stand there. I'm not saying every thought is from the devil, and I'm not saying he's constantly whispering stuff. He usually doesn't have to. He just gets people going with a few thoughts and then just backs off, and they're, they're going for the next three years. <laughs> we just get them going, say, my work's done here, I'm going to go. I'm not saying it's the devil himself. You know, as imps, the, there are evil spirits and things. But you take a marriage. If he can get the husband and wife doubting each other, get them thinking about what the other may or may not be doing and about their motives and what, what they should be doing and about what their, their rightful responsibility as the husband or the wife is and how dare they not do that. That marriage is crippled. Because instead of going forward, they're pointing at each other and constantly, and people don't understand it, they're yielding to the enemy, yielding to the accusing thoughts. You're doing this. You should be doing this. Why aren't you doing this? Why isn't this happening? You take a family unit, start doing that with your kids. You realize uh, the enemy will accuse your kids to you. Well, they never do this instead of looking at the good things they do. Yes, you have to discipline children. But they, he, will, he will accuse you. He will accuse uh, your coworkers. But look at that organ. The family, if it's not right, if it's not working together, is going to be crippled. An organization, if everybody's pointing the finger at everybody and covering their rear end every time something's going on because somebody might stab them in the back, how efficient is that organization? Nobody wants to give their real opinion because somebody else might get in there and use it against them. Ever seen anything like this? How efficient is that? It's very inefficient. Because everybody's worried about somebody else 
you know, pointing their fingers instead of just doing the job. And who cares if you did this or that wrong and actually moving forward with the objectives of the organization that starts to get momentum. But the minute somebody's like, well, they did this and that, do, you know, you're not doing this. People start to draw back. They start to stop. They start to be afraid because they don't want to do the wrong thing. And it doesn't take much of this. Just need somebody to start pointing out. Eh, you're doing that. You're doing that. Why aren't you doing that? Wait. And some, you know, it starts to grow like a cancer. You see that. Who is the cause of that? It's the adversary. We need to be conscious of this so we can shut it down in our life. We can't control everybody else, but we can control what we focus on. We can control what we talk about. Praise God, it is freeing not to feel like you have to point out everything that you see in somebody else. Just because you have a thought, just because you see somebody, doesn't mean you have to tell ten people about it. It's so freeing to know that you're not God. Yeah, they may have messed up. We can go, well, I'm going to pray for him and keep our mouth shut and go on and just glorify God and thank God he's so merciful and Lord, just help him, help him to get out because a truly spiritual person will realize that could be you if you're not careful. Anytime you have the thought, I'd never do that, you're already on thin ice. You, because you start thinking you can't do something, the devil's already got you thinking you are invulnerable in an area and the fact is you are vulnerable. That alone will make you blind. When we're looking at somebody else, that means we're not looking at ourselves, and we are not defending our area and our mind. In fact, if we're judging somebody else, we've already yielded to the wrong thing. And we're not looking at our own self, our own defense mechanism. We're saying, wow, man, that person, I can't believe that. We don't realize we just opened up the door. And if we don't shut it, that could be us. Whenever we see somebody, whether it's your spouse, your, your family, coworker, anybody, that something's not going right, we ought to think, you know what? And sometimes people ask, that, how could they possibly do that? Whether it's a little thing or big thing. I can't believe they do it. Well, here's the answer. They're just like you. And you could do it. That's their problem is that they're human just like you and me. Boy, that went over well. <laughs> I know this is like, you know, this isn't the thing that we would jump up and down about, but we need to understand what's going on sometimes. Sometimes we're looking at, well, i got to believe God for this in this area, and believe God, and I'm trying to quote the word, and half of our thoughts are being negative towards somebody else, and we're yielding to the devil than trying to go over and believe the word. And it does, we're going to yield to the devil and judge and criticize and, yield to the, and, and think of how you have to get your life and life in order and why aren't you doing that? And then go over and say, God, have mercy on me. I've been looking at this and I'm believing your word, doing the best I know how. This, the devil's crafty. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. You guys Okay. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. 
It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. That's a whole other sermon, but that right there, that's like a curse word in some circles. When was the last time you heard submit on any public show? I mean, anything, in the, in the just pop culture. I'm saying, I, you don't even hear that word. That's like a dirty word now. <laughs> yes, all of you be submissive. Woo! To one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Notice that. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. We did a whole series on that. There is something, when you are putting your finger at somebody else, that's automatically pride. Not listening to the Word, looking at somebody else, and what does it say? God is... You're not getting help, you're getting resisted. We don't want that. We want the grace. We want to, the Bible says, He'll give grace to the humble. That's what we need is help. Verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Now notice in context what this is talking about. It's, it's verse 5 saying, You submit yourselves to your elders, you be submissive to one another. It means you don't get your way all the time. You're humble because God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Humble yourselves under His mighty hand. Well, if He's saying, don't judge somebody, don't try to fix everybody, submit to one another, He says, Humble yourselves that he may exalt you, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all, well, yeah, but they're going to do this. Yeah, but they're doing this. You're supposed to cast that off and say, and this is not what we're getting, we're just going through these verses. The next verse is what we're getting to. But we need to see that that's not our concern. Our concern is not straightening everybody else out. It is wasting Time. How much time can we free up if, if we just stopped worrying about other people and just focused on what we need to do? And not been offended about what somebody else did, or, you know, we read some news article and we spent the next hour thinking about it or talking about it. What could that hour have been used for? We could use it for something else. But look at verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your, brother, by your brotherhood in the world. Satan goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is one of his tools. He's going in, accusing and he's, he's trying to get us to yield to him so that he can destroy. So that he can get in and destroy organizations, marriages, families, health. He is probing. We need to be conscious of that. Let's look over at... Uh, Go ahead and put this up. You don't have to turn there, but uh, John 7, verse 24. Now, we'll come back to that. Let's go over to Luke 10, verse 38. We'll look at an example. Luke uh, 10, verse 38. Praise God. God is a good God. He is faithful. 
He loves us, and He wants the best for us always. Luke 10, verse 38. Luke 10, verse 38. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, this is Jesus, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. Verse 41, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, are you, you are worried and troubled about many things. Verse 42, But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So you have Mary and Martha, and you, you may uh, have heard this account before. A lot of good things you could say about it in different areas. But here... Jesus is a guest in their house, and Martha is getting things ready. She's working, trying to get the meal ready, serving people, doing, getting everything prepared. And so she comes, and so Mary, verse 38 or 39, let's look at that. She had a sister, Martha had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So she is listening to Martha, or listening to Jesus. Mary's listening to Jesus. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So what is she doing? She's doing a couple things. She's coming up, and she is looking at what Mary's doing. And so she is... She is criticizing Mary and thinking Mary ought to be doing something else. And she is actually accusing Jesus. She said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. She just interrupted Jesus speaking and came up and say, said, Jesus, my sister is sitting on her rear end, not helping me. Would you tell her to help me? So she is judging Mary, Mary, and she's telling Jesus what to do. Do you think those are good, good things to do? If Jesus thought this needed to happen, don't you think he could take care of it? She... I don't think Martha had to come tell Jesus what's going on. Jesus, you're not seeing what's going on. This person is sitting in front of you, Mary, she should be helping me. Don't you think so too? She's doing the wrong thing, right? What's she doing? She's getting into Mary's business. And she's going to talk to God about it, talk to God about what Mary's doing wrong. When she... Now, who got rebuked in the next verse? Verse 41... Jesus answered and said, you're right, Mary, go help Martha. 
Thank you for calling this to my attention. I, I was oblivious. The Spirit of God missed it on this one. He didn't prompt me. He didn't tell me what to do. Thank you. This is the first time and only time that has happened and will happen. Thank you. Without you, we would have had a train wreck. But No. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. What did he essentially say? You're wrong. Mary's right. You ought to be doing what Mary's doing. In this instance. In this instance. This isn't universal. That means now. We don't ever do preparation and work. We just sit there at the feet of Jesus. All the time. Did I lose somebody there? We are supposed to be hooked up with him, don't get me wrong, but uh, there's nothing wrong with Mary work or Martha working. Did I lose you? Did I lose somebody? Mary, or Martha is coming in saying what she thinks should be happening. Yeah, I mean, Martha gets a bad rap. Martha... I think she's a hardworking woman. I think she's doing what she knows to do. She thinks this is what needs to be done in this instance. Maybe she didn't pick the right thing. But I mean, her gifts and abilities are usually, she's probably a hardworking person, take charge type of person. You need those type of people. Mary maybe is just, you know, maybe she's not quite as... Uh, outgoing or pushy as her sister, pushy is the wrong word, but assertive, and maybe she was more apt to sit there with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying this isn't scriptural, okay? I'm just looking at the, the situation. There might have been times when Mary could have been doing stuff right all the time. But also, Mary's sitting there and listening to Jesus. But that doesn't give anybody that says, well, see there, you just ought, you know, give, give you the license to make a blanket doctrine that all the time, in any situation, uh, to point out how busy other people are, and you should just be spending more time with God. There is a time to spend more time with God, but there's also time to get something done. So you can't, so, and certain people are apt to do in uh, certain things more than others. We have different personalities, we have different gifts and abilities and talents and callings of God, and because something God has prompted you to do something in a certain area doesn't mean everybody else is supposed to do what you're supposed to do. And it doesn't mean that that is the most important thing all the time. i give you an example. I, I heard a, a pastor of a very large church uh, down in Texas. Um, he, was, he talks about this, and he says, you know, there's, different, there's always different groups, like in a church different people in the body of Christ. That some people, they, they want to hear the Word, and they could listen to the Word and hear it taught all the time. We should all listen to the Word, right? But he said, and he was talking about in his church, he said what he noticed is there's different, there's different groups. And the people that want to hear the, the, the Word, no matter how much you do in that area, they want more. They could, they could have more Bible studies, more whatever, and they, they just need more of that. Then you have the people that are really bent toward prayer. It doesn't matter how many prayer meetings there are, they, you're not doing enough prayer. And other people should be praying more. And the word people say, we need to, to, to get the word. And he said, then you have the people that are all about evangelizing. And you don't, then, you know, for these people, there's never enough outreach. And everybody else is not outreaching enough. 
The prayer people ought to get out of their prayer closet and get off out on the street because that's where the action is. The prayer people are, are telling the evangelist, you, well, you need to pray more about it before you get out, out there. And then there's people that they want to help the, the, the people that you know, aren't as fortunate. And it's all about, because Jesus said this, and we got to get in there and do that all the time. And, you know, fine to pray, fine to get them saved, but then, you know, there's certain things that they need naturally. And it's fine to hear the word, but you got to get out there. And these all, it's not that anyone's wrong. It's just that certain people are called and gifted in a certain area, and then it's easy to think everybody's supposed to be like me. And if you're not doing it like me, then you're wrong. And you need to be doing it like me. And then it's easy. The enemy again, see, they're not doing that. They're not doing what, well, they, I'm sure they didn't pray enough. They probably haven't read the word enough. Well, they're not, when was the last time they witnessed to anybody? Well, are they helping anybody? Any of those things is just judging people. Did you hear me? Now, we're doing, we're saying all this not to, to beat ourselves up. We, we need to understand the tactics of the devil and how he works to try to divide. Because what we really need to do is appreciate the differences in other people because as a cohesive team, we're much stronger. Do you realize every person in here, all of us, we have blind spots and we have weaknesses. I know that's, I'm not, that's not a bad confession. I know you're working on them. But I don't care what personality you are, you can call it whatever you want, you can call it a gap, you can call it, you know, lack of strength, you can try to sugarcoat it however you want. The bottom line is there are certain things that you and I are strong in, naturally, and we've developed it, and there are certain things we're not as strong in. Is that not, is that true? Anybody want to say, no, that's just not true. I am level all the way across. I have, I'm fives, tens, whatever you want to call it. All the way across, I have zero weaknesses. And we just identified one if you said that. For sure. You're full of pride and we need to pray for you out here. But we all have some. But isn't it tempting to look at somebody else and go, well, you're not good at this. Why? That's the thing I may be good in, but I'm pointing my finger at you, and actually they're ten times stronger than me in a different area. I'm just not looking at that. But what if we put it together? What if we put these strengths together? You can be in a marriage. You can be in a family unit. We talked about it in, in a corporate setting. You don't want all accountants. You're going to go out of business because nobody's selling the product, nobody's making the count. You just have a bunch of people that are awesome at counting the money, except we don't have any money to count. So we're out of business, sorry. You got somebody that's great at leading everything, except they're all leaders and they just kill each other. You got engineers that are great at making the product, but there's nobody to sell it, marketing, find out anybody that could possibly use this product. So guess where we do? We go out of business. We got all salespeople can sell anything except we don't have anything to sell, so we go out of business. Marketing can market anything, but we don't have anybody to sell it. We don't have anybody to build anything, don't have anybody to organize the whole thing, so guess what we do? We go out of business. <laughs> we have great designers could draw anything except they don't actually have a product, so they have a bunch of pictures and no money, so you go out of business. Well, what about the church? Same thing. What about a family? Same thing. Well, we need somebody that can handle this in the family and that. Well, you're not good at that. Yeah, but you're not good at the other thing. Well, we can just sit there and point fingers at each other all day and get nowhere and the marriage goes down. 
Any number of ways you can split it, but the, 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 end, the end point is we're gonna, it's going to be towards destruction. Versus, wait a minute, you are good at that. I'm not so good at that. I'm, I'm fine at this. It's okay to say you have an ability. That's not pride if it's true. If you're talking about boasting about it, making a big deal, that's one thing. But if someone asks you a question, can you, do you have a skill, for you to say no is lying. It's, it's humble sometimes to, to speak the truth and say, yeah, actually, I, I can do this. Well, if we put all our skills and abilities together, then we're able to move forward and actually be strong. And the enemy knows this, which is why if he can keep you just focusing on what everybody else is doing wrong, even though you have stuff you're doing wrong too, he won't, he'll say, ah, you're, you're great at that in there. They need to, they, we need to work on them. We need to work on what they need to do. They, they, I, I can't believe they did that. They, they need to change that. Why don't, why aren't they, you know, better in this area? And just spend, oh, and then, it's not just them, it's these 15 other people. And then you just work on all these people, but guess what? Nothing's getting done because we're not actually contributing, going towards something ourselves. If the enemy can keep somebody in that position, he will. Just cripple the body of Christ. Just cripple any organization. He is a master at it. So Mary didn't help out, or Martha didn't help out the situation. She actually, Jesus actually said, nope, you're not, you're wrong. You need to be doing what she's doing right now. Now we need just, we need to have the heart of doing what God would have us to do. Humble in that, hey, I think I can see this in this other person, but God didn't call us to try to straighten it out. He didn't call us to accuse. He didn't try to, he didn't call us to try to say something about it. If there is something, we should say, well, I see that. And I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to go on, but I'm going to worry, not worry is the wrong word, but I'm going to be concerned with what God has called me to do. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to be there for them. I could see that, you know, if it weren't for the grace of God, I could be in the same position, but I'm just going to go on and strengthen the body of Christ, strengthen my brothers and sisters, be a help and not a hindrance. Satan is... He's crafty, and he tries to, to paint things in spiritual tones so that people will buy them. But God sees differently. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. God looks at, at, at each individual and their call, and it's his, uh, it's his uh, responsibility to get people in place. Amen? Amen. Not us. Glory to God. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just thank you so much.